And welcome, everyone. This is the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host, Callahan, and we have a great show lined up for you all today. But before we get into it, I just want to thank everybody for joining us this week. If you do like this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment down below. If you want access to our Discord server, as well as some extra content, make sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash themindsculptors, or check out the link in the description. We also now have a TCG Player affiliate link, so go ahead, and that is in the description as well. If you want to help support the show, you can click on that, and uh, we'd really appreciate that. Today, we are going to be taking a look at uh, another uh, installment in our Brewer's Choice series. Our patrons voted on a few options, and they all landed on Turgrid. I forget the other one. It's Turgrid, God of Fright. Uh, So joining me this week to uh, share with us their builds of Turgrid is, of course, uh, my good friend Cobblepot. Cobble, how are you doing? Doing good. Good to be here. Awesome. Phoenix is also joining us here from Lincoln. Phoenix, how are you doing? Doing good. Ready to share some spice. Oh, yeah. We've, we've got some spicy stuff today. Um, and not just your food, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, we also have uh, Hailing from Canada is our good friend Spleenface. Spleen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good. Um, so we uh, one of our patron rewards um, is that uh, you guys can help us pick out a topic for a show, uh, specifically the Brewer's Choice episodes uh so we gave our patrons an option between a few of the gods from uh what is it called and uh everybody landed on turgrid god of fright so uh this was one of the uh ones that i think that people were more very interested in and especially in our group were very very excited to get to work on this um and so you know cobble you've got uh probably everybody's got really interesting so if we're if if you recall so the first time we did this with um with kodama and in who who was the other one it was vile kodama smasher. and vile smasher yeah. um everybody's lists like there were some some key differences and things played very differently right but all three of you like everybody had like some core key cards that were very similar um, and you still have this and this, but all three of you have gone in how I feel are very different directions with it. Um, and so I'm really excited to get to showcase these. So starting off like cobble, like when we're looking at your deck, like going over the high level of the game plan of the, for this. What are we looking at with this? So most Turgrid decks, I think just by nature of the commander are going to, uh, have some sort of synergy or some sort of focus on uh, extracting as much value as they can out of you know just uh, being able to uh, take opponents permanence and uh, leverage them kind of against your and, and create this this snowball effect so um, I, I think regardless of the you know the the details like the, the nuances of, of the tack that you take in exacting that plan um, everyone is going to be wanting to have discard effects everyone's going to be wanting to have sacrifice effects and, and those kinds of things to, to take advantage um, of that 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 value um, by nature of some of the limitations that you have in mono black, you know, namely not a lot of uh, stack-based interaction 
the, the list is going to tend towards being proactive. So it's going to be permanent oriented for the most part. And, um, you know, it's going to largely often play kind of a stacks game. Um, you can play mid range as well. Um, and the, the, the list is going to tend also towards being parasitic. And what that means is that it's largely going to reflect the, the, the table texture of whatever game you're, you're playing because a lot of your, you know, the, a, a lot of your game pieces that you're going to be extracting is, are, are going to be the, the game place pieces that your opponents are playing. So, um, the, the, the games are going to, I think, have a, a, a lot of variance of kind of the details of how things play out um, just because the things that you're extracting from your opponents are going to be wildly different from, from game to game. So uh, as, as like to, to contrast this against a deck that some might say is extraordinarily linear, like uh, Rograk, uh, Rograk, what's it? Uh, the black, why am I blinking so hard? Uh, the black blue partner. Uh, Silas? Silas, yeah. He's a very linear deck. Like most of your games are going to look very similar. Um, this is going to be every game is going to look a little bit uh, or look different. You're not going to see similar lines, right? So, like, what what will happen is, you know, most of these decks are going to play hand disruption. They're going to play a lot of discard effects. They're going to play, you know, pox effects and smokestack kind of effects and that kind of thing. And that that's kind of the the similarity that you're, you're the common thread that you're going to see through, I think, all implementations, because everybody wants to be, you know, uh, taking advantage of, of the, the power that Turgrid has in the command zone. Um, but that's kind of where the, the, the railroadiness kind of ends, because it, what that imparts is that, you know, as you're pulling dockside extortionists from your opponents and, you know, mystic remoras from your opponents and hull breachers from your opponents and so on, um, you it, it really forces you to kind of think on your feet to how do you incorporate these pieces that are like outside of black's identity into mm-hmm. the game plan and how do you use them effectively against your opponents and um that that makes the deck really kind of like rich in the the experience that you get out of it because you're going to be getting different things out of every different table so uh that that parasiticness means that you know its effectiveness is going to kind of be wildly variant, but the experience is also going to be wildly variant. So it, so it winds up being a really fun deck to pilot. I don't know. If it's very it's very things. funny because for me, uh, when you say parasitic and you use that description, to me it makes me feel like this is a bad thing, right? But like what you're describing to clarify is that this is a deck that relies on the other decks at the table for how well it's going to perform, correct? Yes. And it, I mean, it certainly will perform much better against certain types of table textures. So if, if you have Turgrid and, you know, three Turbonos lists, uh, your, your chances are you you're, might not have time to get yourself set up and it, it, there's a chance that nobody else is going to be playing the mid-range role or nobody else is going to be playing another stacks role. And um, you just might not be able to stop one of those three decks from being able to go off just by nature of the fact that you don't have 
you know, a, a lot of, of stack-based interaction. But on the other hand, if you wind up getting yourself into a grindy game where you're, you know, there's, there's more mid-range or stacks in, in, in play, then all of a sudden you're, you, you wind up having a, a much higher uh, percentage, you know, chance of, of, of succeeding in, in those circumstances. So it's, it's, it's parasitic in, you know, it, the, the more, let's say, the, the more proactive the, the decks that you're going to play against... The, mm-hmm. are, are going to uh, greatly um, improve your chances of succeeding at the table. Okay. So when we look at, you know, so so y- your list specifically, Cobble, um, you're playing, you know, a lot of hand disruption. I know, like, uh, the last handful of decks that you've uh, kind of been making have kind of had this Chains of Mephistopheles engine within them. Um, and you know, this one also has, uh, probably one of my more favorite stacks effects in possess portal. Um, and, and so, you know, explain some of what's going on as far as what your deck is going to be doing. Okay. So my, my deck in specific, and I'm going to guess it, it shares a lot of qualities with, with Phoenix and spleen face is that, um, you know, you, you want to start off as early as you can. You want to be getting disruption down onto the table. You, you want to be slowing the velocity of your opponent's play. And um, you're, you're, you're going to achieve that by having stacks effects that, you know, uh, Sphere of Resistance, Thorn of Amethyst, you know, th- those types of, you know, taxing effects. But um, this list, because of the fact that we want to extract value from Turgrid with discard, that's going to kind of like push us towards wanting to have a lot of discard effects. So that's Chains of Mephistopheles in specific is a really, really good effect, even outside of, you know, devoted discard, just because it, you know, makes it such that a lot of the, the, the draw engines that people are hoping to execute on um, are just kind of nullified or they're made, you know, significantly worse if you're, you're you're looking at you know like wheel effects, for instance, as right. that are very popular, um, they just aren't going to have the effect that anybody wants at all. And when you when you when you have kind of the 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 macro effect of well, this shuts off the exploits that people are trying to do, and also have kind of the micro effect of this is going to also tax them in the the small, like when they're trying to draw just like a second card. Oh, they've got a crown. And they're not allowed to choose not to draw that second, you know, that that extra card. Um, now they have to do a discard before they can do a draw, and then that's going to give you value out of it. So um, chains is going to be great. Oppression is just a great card uh, for for hand control because, again, so many of the lists in the metagame are completely predicated on this assumption that they'll be able to have high card velocity and be able to cast multiple spells per turn and it's it 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 really makes it almost impossible for 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 most combos to be executed and especially you know like stormy kind of uh combos to be executed where you're forced to um discard a card every single time you cast a spell would you say that it's a little oppressive Oh yes, it is. Um, Underworld All breach. Right, I'm, I'm gonna head out. <laughs> Underworld breach, I would say, is 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 the one that that gets to skirt that because um, they're fine with 
you know, if, if you've got all of your, your cards in your graveyard, then you can, it, it, it doesn't mean that you have to have a card to discard in order to cast spells. So, um, that would be that would be an impressive ability. Though though that being said, Turgrid definitely does a good job of hating on Underworld Breach naturally, right? Because right. typically you're trying to generate mana with by sacrificing something. Um and so Turgrid will just yoink that. If you crack a lion's eye diamond, uh you're not gonna have a good time. Exactly. Exactly. And Dockside too, a lot of people who are doing Underworld Breach are gonna wanna, you know, sacrifice their Dockside so they can cast again out of the yard and that kind of thing. Um and again, this you know having a Turgrid in play just the Turgrid herself just stops a lot of combos kind of in their tracks as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you want to disrupt early. You want to you want to kind of be, because and the reason why you want to disrupt early is because you're in mono black. You don't have that stack based interaction. So it's not like you can you you can be sure that you can hold up mana and stop somebody from casting oracle or whatever and be able to interact with that so um rather than being interactive you got to be proactive so you want to get those things down kind of as early as you can and then um once you're able to accelerate into having you know tour grid in play that's really when you want to kind of seal the deal with something like smokestack pox possessed portal you know these kind of bigger effects that are um just really really oppressive effects on their own but when coupled with Turgrid, so like if you have Turgrid and Possessed Portal, um, it's just extremely difficult for opponents to be able to to get out of that situation. Um, right. Possessed Portal is, is is one of these cards where um, it, it's it's cards cards that that trigger on every upkeep or you know every end step. A lot of people will misread the first time they read it because they think that it's yours. Um, right. You know, Possessed Portal is one of those. Every single end end of turn, everybody has to either discard a card or sacrifice a permanent. And normally, what happens is you don't you don't have any great ways un, un, unless you're like a token strategy or something like that. You don't have a lot of great ways to break parity with this. So the person who controls the possessed portal eventually needs to sacrifice it because they just you know you're going to run out of cards in hand and you're going to run out of permanents in play to be able to kind of maintain this, the, the, you know, uh, this broken parity with the rest of the people. In this particular case, having Turgrid and Possessed Portal, <laughs> for instance, I mean, you're potentially getting three permanents every time you sack one. Right. And that makes it much easier to be able to just completely wait it out. And it only, I mean, if, if you look at, you know, a, a turn cycle, that's that's potentially 12 permanents that you you have claimed and everybody else has you know gone down four permanents or you know four cards in hand or whatever so um it's it's really really powerful and it's 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 kind of where you want to get your deck postured kind of as soon as you can right i can't believe i'm about to say this based on what you just said but i actually think you're kind of underselling possessed portal here (laughs) 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 like i I the way I see it, possessed portal is that you actually just win the game if you have a possessed portal and turgrid because essentially you just get to go. You are initially at least you'll be amassing resources as you're probably going to be getting more than one permanent per turn cycle. Right, and then 
you could just let the possess portal go when your opponents have no cards in play and no cards in hand, and you have all right. the permanents they had in play and whatever <laughs> permanents were in their hand. Like that—that that seems like like game over. Not oh, it's a an insane value swing. It, it actually just ends the game. Right. It, it's like you started the game over with Karn. You know, like um, yeah, exactly. But like way better. <laughs> so it's it's absurd. And uh, one of the things too, just to note. Um, Mystic Remora, you know, speaking of being parasitic, Mystic Remora is one of the, the greatest sights to see. And it's one of those things when um, when people, you know, have never played against Turgrid before. They're like, okay, I'm just going to play Mystic Remora. And then, like, there's this moment when they realize, oh, like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as I let go of this, it's going to go straight to the Turgrid player. Um, that That's... That also winds up uh, being a big part of your plan is is extracting the value engines from your opponents, and um, you really want to, you know, kind of be thoughtful about uh, helping your opponents to part with the things that they have more quickly. <laughs> you know, some things are just gonna, you know, they'll they'll naturally have to sacrifice things depending on kind of the the, the hate pieces you put into play, um, but you know, using. Uh, your 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 removal judiciously um, can help pull those things over onto your side kind of uh, earlier than people expected, and then you can start making use of those value pieces. Right. I'm gonna be honest. Given that we're not playing dorks, I don't know if I can get behind. I hope my opponents open with Mystic Remora. That might be a bridge too far for me. Obviously, it is very good to steal, but uh, I think that this deck can certainly suffer from like you might have to feed them more cards than you're comfortable with if you don't want to just fall behind in the game right for sure so um you know we've heard a little bit about the general idea of what's going on with cobbles deck phoenix what's kind of the overall you know i know your list you know everybody has a lot of overlap but you know like i said at the beginning is everybody kind of went in different directions. So Phoenix, like what's the direction that you went with your deck? Yeah, I'm glad Cobble talked a lot about the what a parasitic deck is because I found the same issue when I was building it. And instead of trying to make up with the short for the shortcomings of that, I just leaned all the way into it. And so I am playing a bunch of fast mana and trying to get target out and just hope that that's enough to not lose the game. Uh, if and then if people stop Turgrid, I'm playing what I would describe as a uh, mid-range monstrosity of just <laughs> extremely high-value stuff. Stuff like Villas and uh, stuff like Bolas' Citadel that just generate insane amounts of value the longer a game goes. Right. And so we don't necessarily... And what I mean by parasitic in this case is that I'm not going to necessarily be the deck that leads to the game being grindy. I'll do my best, but our tools are limited. And so when the game does get to that grindy spot, we're in such an extremely advantageous position that it's almost impossible for most decks to come back from. And Yeah, I think... Oh, go ahead. Okay, so I see we're, we're all on, on Trinisphere, but I noticed you didn't play any of the other spheres in your deck. Um, so I guess that certainly... I, I see what you mean by leaning into rather than playing because admittedly the tools in mono black oh to extend the game are limited like we don't have rule of laws um and we're missing some other types of hate that appear in other colors but uh trinosphere is a rule you know, of law I, isn't it so 
Kind of. But, like, we're, we're all playing Trinisphere, but both Cobble and I put in Sphere of Resistance and Thorn of Amethyst as well. And I noticed you didn't, so yeah. I guess that's a that's an interesting... You just kind of accepted that rather than play underwhelming things to try and extend the game, just lean into somebody else helping you extend it. Exactly, game. and that's exactly what I mean by it. it's definitely the most parasitic out of all of the decks that we have here. It's If somebody else doesn't stop the game from ending and Turkrid isn't the thing that's going to stop the game from ending, I probably don't have an answer for it. And right, so it's going to okay see more variants like we were talking about before, depending on the, the table texture. So if the table texture is all turbo, then you're going to have a, a worse time in that case. Yeah, you're going to have, have a bad, bad time. time. <laughs> 100%. So, okay, so I need to interrupt for a second and go mildly off topic. And I, because I want to share what's going on in my apartment. Mildly. Well, I need, it, it's very off topic, but I want to share what's going on in my apartment right now because Uh-oh. we have a lot of pizza. Um, so, well, so my, flex, is this okay. mono black pizza? No. So my fiance ordered us dinner and we like get the same thing from like pizza hut every time. So we have like, like saved in and it, there was like some issue she said where, like Pizza Hut said they couldn't like fulfill the order or whatever. So she's like, okay, whatever. So she ordered Domino's instead. Well, Pizza Hut delivered. (laughs) And then we also got Domino's delivered. So we have like four pizzas out there. (laughs) Wow. So I'm just so, Cass. Cass, you just walks in. Just gonna, are you just gonna eat it? Or are I you mean, yeah. Save it, or? I mean, I'll probably eat some tonight and then box some up. I, I know this is super off topic, but I'm like sitting here. <laughs> Cassie literally brought in an entire pizza and breadsticks because there's like four more out there. I, you know, you see on Twitter like people post pictures of themselves like in a bathtub filled with, uh, you know, like magic cards and stuff like that. I'm picturing yeah. you right now, like just covered in pizza and that I, I've, just, I've had something similar i'm here for it the, something similar happened to me in the past where we uh we ordered pizza they got the wrong address um like it, they swapped like road and street so then they sent it from the wrong place and then we're like oh i guess it's not coming so we like ordered pizza again and then the the company fixed it they're like okay we'll we'll dispatch your order from the right place we're like shit well we already ordered more pizza <laughs> and not only that but the driver that took it to the wrong place also then brought it so we we wound up with triple pizza oh my goodness <laughs> so I, I i'm sorry to take us off topic for a second but i just right, now i'm hungry i'm, I'm sitting here at always my, on top i just i'm sitting here at my desk <laughs> with a pizza and i'm just like like a whole must, pizza and i'm just like all right must be nice oh my goodness how do i hold all these pizzas <laughs> <laughs> so anyway sorry to to take us off there for a second so um phoenix is the most parasitic <laughs> one at the time <laughs> okay yeah. i'm the worst um, I feel like we're doing yeah, like a family guy I, I thing where like, it just does a cutaway and now, now we're back. So I feel like this proves that Callahan's the most parasitic one. <laughs> I just, Phoenix, you're off the hook. Yeah. Um, so any, so anyhow, yeah, spleen face, tell us about your deck. Yeah. So yours, you, you went a little, a little bit faster than everybody else. I feel like you're in a more. Of everybody, everybody, I feel like you're playing the most proactive strategy. Uh, I guess in some ways. Um, 
I, I definitely skimped on some of the fast mana that plays particularly poorly with uh, with the stacks that we're running. So, like, I'm not running... Um, like, I think you're both running Cabal Ritual. Uh, I steered clear of that. And things like Lotus Petal, because I just... I've cast Lotus Petals into Thorn of Amethyst too many times to want them in the same deck. But, um... Yeah, so so I, I don't think I did anything sort of particularly crazy... Um, the one thing that I, I guess the one, like, sort of, well, maybe I'll, I'll save that until we talk about the, uh, the win conditions, but, uh, I definitely went a little bit harder on the discard effects, um, so I'm running, uh, we're all running, um, oh no, we're not all running Necrogen Mists, never mind, um, I thought we were, but, uh, we're all running, at the very least we're all running Oppression, um, but so I, yeah, I'm running Necrogen Mists, Bottomless Pit, um, words of waste one uh cunning lethomancer and yeah words of waste um and then a couple of the etb each opponent discards things as well as some of the sorceries that just make everyone discard a bunch of cards um because i was sort of thinking about um I, like i i basically wasn't sure that it's enough to only force people to discard a couple cards um because you know you might get a land from someone, you know, like, they discard their, like, worst piece of interaction and a land, or something like that, um, and then it's pretty underwhelming, so I was definitely trying to focus on, like, getting people to not just a low-resource state, but basically a no-resource state, whether that's being hellbent or, like, not having any, you know, lands, um, I notice, uh, oh, I guess, uh, Phoenix is running it, um, but Kalba, you're not... Uh, I also put in Death Cloud. Um, we're all running Pox and Small Pox, but uh, I went deeper on that too. And essentially the idea is to try and get people to the point where they actually have nothing, more or less, rather than, um, you know, sort of... Because I, I felt that if you're just sort of, uh, you know, cleaning up around the edges and, like, you've made people discard a couple cards... Um, you'll very often find that people, when they see that they're not going to be able to keep their cards for a long period of time, uh, they discard all their interaction and protection and make a win attempt. Um, right. And because we're in mono black, this we just don't have the tools to stop that a lot of the time. So I wanted to, um, I, I wanted to sort of avoid that situation by like much more quickly getting people getting, you know, the combo cards out of people's hands rather than sort of doing it slowly and allowing them the chance to try and make their attempts. Right. That's that's a, a good insight is that a lot of times, you know, these these effects where, you know, you know, people discard a card, especially where it's a card of their own choice, um, you know, a, a lot of times you don't see those in CEDH just because they're not a big enough effect to really have an impact, um, especially with, you know, all the card advantage that you see in the metagame. And um, the the choices of the the cards that people choose to get rid of when, you know, they, they don't want to put them in, themselves in a state where they can't win, you know, where they're going to hold on to their, like, combo pieces or whatever and um, discard interaction or whatever to be able to preserve that... Um, helps us to be able to um, 
kind of break parity with the fact that we aren't able to interact on the stack. And it helps us to be able to make the game more about permanence and make the game more proactive. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's a good insight. So as we're, we're kind of moving on here and we're looking at, you know, win cons, uh, we talked a little bit about how, you know, Possessed Portal with Turgrid can just kind of win the game. Um, but if we look outside of that, because, you know, you're not going to be able to do that every game necessarily. Just watch me. <laughs> uh, because you said that, because you said that you have to play this on the gameplay series now or Team Turn 3. I refuse. I absolutely refuse. <laughs> um, so, Cobble, what are your, you know, win cons with this list? So I, I wanted to make sure that I had at least one way that I could use Turgrid herself as the win con. And, and th- this is not the, you know, you couple her with a possessed portal and then say I win. Um, so I, I am running uh, Micaeus the Unhallowed. And Gravecrawler with Phyrexian Altar to generate infinite black mana because it gives Gravecrawler a um, undying ability so you can sacrifice it twice each loop. And then you can sacrifice Turgrid and then play her lantern side and then pump all the black mana into the lantern and burn out the table. Um, that frees you up from needing to have kind of like the, the original incarnation that I tried of the list had like um, Aetherflux Reservoir and some kind of like faster kind of combo sort of wins. And on the one hand, they're really hard to execute through kind of all the disruption, you know, the, 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 the stacks elements that we're playing. And two, um, when you when your first priority is to just like make sure you're disrupting the, the opponents every game, every game early, you want to get disruption down. Having a combo piece in hand uh, it, it feels really bad because it's kind of like keeping you, you, you know, you really don't want to see it. So by eliminating kind of devoted combo pieces from from the list entirely, that helps you kind of uh, turn the knob on that sig- you know, signal to noise ratio of making sure that really everything you have is disruption. So I have, a, I, have, I have a question about this. Um, sorry, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Um, no, you're fine. Um, so why... Well, I, I suppose I, I know the real reason, um, because you want to integrate Turgrid and uh, her backside and like yep. the elements. I'm all of about her. Turgrid's backside. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you said that and it made me think of the scene in Avengers Endgame where uh, Ant-Man calls Captain America's ass America's ass. That's oh, yeah. what it made me think of. Um, America's ass. But my so when I initially looked at this and I saw that you were running Micaiah's, my initial thought was, why no walking ballista? I mean, yeah, we could do that. It's again, um, that so it you know each there's there's I I could say that you could make a convincing argument that it should be in there and. Given the fact that you've got Turgrid in the command zone, I, I feel like it's unnecessary because if you've got the outlet in the command zone, that frees you from having the outlet in the 99. And 
I could see, you know, the argument, oh, what if someone, you know, gilded drakes to your turkey now that now what are you going to do? Because you, you can't win that, that kind of thing. And, and for that reason, we've got multiple ways to win that don't require a turkey. I just wanted to include one that did. But I guess, yeah. So and that it, makes sense. It certainly depends on how much value you're getting. Like, I think walking ballista is pretty clearly a better card than grave crawler. That, this um, is true. Now, for for what it's now, worth. So, Alter okay. versus Viscera Seer or Carrion Feeder is, you know, it's certainly much more contextual, I would say. Right. So, um, looking at each of these cards. So, um, Micaeus allows you to get multiple kind of hits off of your things like Plague Crafter and, you know, other creatures. Um, it, it And it also lets you kind of uh, get a second crack at, at taking creatures from your opponents well, like you know so not plague crafter specifically but um plague crafter is a human but oh you're right okay yes um but uh grave crawler also is good for there there's times when you know you have to sacrifice a creature or it's nice to have something to sacrifice and being able to kind of like cast it out of your graveyard and then sacrifice it and then cast it out of your graveyard again and um have something that's low impact where you're you're not losing traction um, to something like a you know smokestack or whatever. Um, it's, I mean, yes, I get that that's that's tenuous, um, but I've 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 had times when when that has been useful. Uh, Phyrexian altar is I think normally useful because you know there's times that you really don't care about the things the creatures that you've pulled from your opponents like if you're getting. Arbor Elf, you're not going to be able to make use of that, really. Oh, man. Uh, Arbor Elf is 10 out of 10 hit off a Turgrid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, being able to just kind of feed a couple of creatures that you've stolen from your opponents for, you know, four or five black mana so that you can put another hate beast into play. I mean, it's, you know, there, there's, it, it's it's not, the these these aren't cards that are, you know, they've got kind of this single use and it, you know, functionally fixed on on this one use case and that's all that they're good for. They've there's kind of a, a, a diversity of, of of lines that you can you can pull from them depending on the context. Yeah. I guess the other thing that you might uh you know could potentially go badly is uh with Micaeus, um anything you've stolen you if it gets killed, your opponents do get it back, which is maybe not ideal, but uh, right. And, but then you can get it back again. And, well, only if you, but it, like only if you make them sacrifice it, right? Right. Uh, like right. I was just thinking, you know, like oh well, all assassins trophy my doxide extortionist that you have, and then I get another doxide. Like I mean, yeah, that uh, is true. That is that is a side effect, and. That might be enough to say, you know what? I think blood blood chief ascension on its own is fine, and I don't need to have like an infinite mana outlet to to, to win with Turkrid and just do the the attrition game. Mm-hmm. But if we, um, if we had more time to, you know, ex- explore the lists, you know, over time, because it's still a very, very new commander. I, I'm, I'm sure some of those kind of nuances will, will shake themselves out. I know what out. you're talking about. Clearly we've solved it. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Everyone can back up and go home. Yeah, we have the template for Turgrid right here, obviously. Perfect. I mean... It's I, a lot of Turgrid lists are going to be very similar, and I, I, I don't think that <laughs> there's there's I mean the there's there's new technology that's going to come down. I'm sure that will you know 
shed light on on new things that we can do with it. But I, I think the the core engine for you know startup is going to be very similar across kind okay. of all all Turkrid lists. So, oh man, I'm pretty sure Turbo Nas is the only <laughs> archetype you can play, right? So that's it. Um, Phoenix, so we're looking at yours. Yours has a little bit of a different way of going about things. Um, although yours looks like it's a little bit more similar to Spleen Faces uh, in this regard. So what are your win cons? Uh, other than the Targrid plus Possessed Portal, I basically don't have any. Uh, <laughs> we have Villas, we have Tiny Bones, we have... Uh, Bolus's Citadel. We have ways to deal damage to kill our opponents, but generally it's just the epitome of what I said earlier, which is a mid-range monstrosity. I'm drawing cards in my deck and making opponents sacrifice and discard things and kind of just sitting there with a table hopefully full of their win cons, value engines, things like that. And then I have Praetor's Grasp as my big backup, and that's about it. Some... This is like four color Rashmi, but like worse, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't have a vile smasher in my command zone to actually kill you eventually. I do have stuff like tiny bones where I could like activate it maybe on like turn seven, turn eight. It depends on how many lands I get from people. But if somebody gilded Drake's Turgrid in my list, it's you kind of sit there and look at your hand and you're like, you well, good game. <laughs> There are definitely a lot of things people can do to these decks to make them sad. That's uh, a bit of a a given being usually outside of blue. Yeah. yeah. And there's plenty of ways to actually beat tables to death over the course of a long game. There's Bone Miser, um, Waste Knot, things. This deck that I have at least has a lot of things that CEDH decks struggle to deal with, such as just having a Bone Miser and maybe a discard for everybody at the table every turn where I'm just generating value um, and it's just something that people can't come back from. Villas, if you can get a Villas out, most CDH tables can't deal with a Villas if they don't have removal in hand and you'll just get there by drawing half of your deck for no reason. All other than, of the cards. <laughs> just other than Villas is great. Them. How many cards do you draw? Yes. <laughs> Unless you there's a possessed portal in play. Correct. Um, so getting to you, Spleen Face, you kind of feel like you're more of a mixture as far as your wick cons go between, um, the, you know, I'm not really, you're not really running a dedicated win con, but you do have like Blood Chief Ascension. Uh, you are the only one doing the Marlon or Marlin and the opposition agent combo. So kind of go into some of the, your win cons there. Um, yeah. So like Phoenix, I'm running uh, Praetor's Grasp. Um, and also, uh, I believe, Demonic Consultation. So you can sort of assemble somebody else's Oracle combo if you're really desperate. Um, but, uh, yeah, the the sort of prior, the, the closest thing to a combo, I would say, that I'm running is is the uh, Morelan Opposition Agent Lockout. And basically, the reason I'm running that, and it's also one of the reasons I'm running um, Varigoth, is that his name? The... Yeah, Varagoth. The boast guy. Sire, the, the boast uh, vampiric tutor guy. Mm -hmm. um, well, it was in part that I, like, to me, the idea of getting a tutor down before making everyone hellbent was, like, very appealing. Um, but um, basically, I've found 
uh, and in part that experience comes from uh, playing Gitrog last weekend, <laughs> that outside of blue, um, just putting a lot of effort into landing specifically opposition agent very early um, does an insane amount of work. So, like, in my mind, one of the most common early tutor targets for this deck is opposition agent. Um, and given, you know, that we also have reanimates to get it back into play, um, that it seemed, it seemed that, uh, Marillin was, like, less effort than you might expect, because I don't look at it as sort of assembling an A plus B combo. It's like, Opposition Agent is a card that I'm actively going for as part of my game plan, so then once I have that, it's actually only one card, uh, that I have to find to turn that into like a, a win. Right. And it's, it, it's very interesting because, um, you know, the, the Varagoth has an interesting synergy with opposition agent because it is target player searches their library, not you. Yeah. 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 So you can take other people's stuff. Uh, and also you get it instantly because Varagoth puts it on top, but opposition agent, uh, puts it in exile. Right. So, uh, you can instantly tutor stuff from other people's decks and then have access to it right away. Right. That's just a good feeling. Yeah, it really... It, it, honestly, Opposition Agent, and, and we've talked about this somewhat before, um, but I remember... You know, it's actually a pretty good card. Yeah, well, we it, back in November when... I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> back in November when we were... <laughs> like talking about this card, we like uh, there was a lot of hyperventilation about this card and whether or not it was going to like, you know, ruin games and you're never going to fetch and all this stuff. And what what's really turned out is it's honestly been fine for the format, in my opinion. I think it's actually hard up, to disagree. I think it's been all right, um, but I don't know. That's my opinion. Um, that I, it's all right when it only starts coming down late in turn two but when it comes down before that it it just highlights it, it's one of the things that highlights um turn order issues right like, that makes sense just opening turn one land crypt opposition agent it's like oh well you kept a hand with fetch lands <laughs> sucks to be you like, <laughs> yeah well i mean that's a that's a fair point but i mean i mean i i, I don't think it's a outlandish thing to say that it is not nearly as broken in half as some people were worried about and you know the card that ended up being broken in half was its counterpart you know the whole breacher um, i think we're still we're still waiting for that moment when people start to run more interaction and you right. know, play their tutors more thoughtfully and uh, right now like we haven't gotten there yet and people are just, oh, well, that sucked. There was an opposition agent really early, and we'll, we'll just move on to the next game. And, you know, I, I, there, there will be a point when I think that there'll be some course correction, and we'll see some some changes in kind of the, the mentality that people apply to, to deck building and how much interaction and specifically, you know, creature removal they right. run. And if people ever wanted to play green, maybe they'd catch on to survival of the fittest as well. <laughs> yep. That's, that's actually the truth. Like, I I cannot overstate how strong survival is in decks that get to play Hull Breacher and Opposition Agent. Right. It's, yeah. It's obscene. It's just, yeah. It's a good card. 
So moving on, uh, there you know we've talked about the wing cons. You know what are some of the combos within the deck? Um, you know, cobble. I know um, you've got a lot of strong synergies and um, value engines throughout your list. So what are kind of some of those? If you want to highlight that for us, right? So you know I, I talked about the, the the Mike and Gravecrawler combo, and that's that's what I would. That's the only combo that I would you know say that's in the deck. I. Right. I tried out the Rings of Bright Hearth and um, what's the, it's the land, the Basil Deserted Ma- Temple. Oh. oh, Deserted Temple. Right, Deserted yeah. Temple with, you know. Cabal uh, uh, Coffers or Nykthos? Nykthos is the, is the one. Cabal Coffers, I I just cannot run that card. I, I don't it, blame you. It's, when when you don't have Urborg, it's just, you know, you, you, you have to get yourself to this point where you got like, five or six lands before it starts to pay dividends and that's too long to wait anyway uh, you know I, <laughs> I i tried running the the nykthos and rings of bright hearth and deserted temple uh, combo and again that was just one of those times when i would have an opening hand with rings of bright hearth in it and it's like all right now i just need to go and find those two lands and i'm in black so i don't have crop rotation or anything to like search for lands specifically so uh it just it it, it never felt great so um, we're just kind of going all in on things that are reinforcing kind of the value that you're extracting from, from Turgrid. So it's, you know, just having Turgrid plus your, your, your big sack effects, like, you know, Possessed Portal, Pox, and, you know, Smokestack. Those are, those are the, the really equalizing effects that you can couple with her just because it... In the case of things like Necrogen Mists and Oppression and, you know, Chains of Mephistopheles, people are choosing what it is that they're discarding and, you know, eventually you get to this point where they just don't have anything to discard and you're not going to be extracting any value out of them. Whereas in the case of Possessed Portal and Smokestack, I mean, well, if you get to the point that they don't have any permanence left, then, I mean... That's a, a first world problem. <laughs> it's so, actually okay that you don't get to extract. Right, more right. Value it's like, from well, them. oh, that's fine. <laughs> so um, th- those wind up being like the, the the highest bang for your you know your proverbial buck in that case. Um, but that's I I, I kind of just you know that's kind of the, the long and the short of it. It's it's just trying to you know project Turgrid, and you. For me, I, I, you know, you don't want to put Turgrid out and like not have ways to extract value. I think that you know, getting a, a poisonous infrastructure kind of in play, and then putting Turgrid onto the battlefield, you know, after you've kind of got those pieces in line, um, seems to be the the best way to go. Right. And um, it's 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 one of those things where it. In practice, it is so much stronger than I think. For me personally, like my first reading of the card, I was like, okay, you know, that that's that's really something. But like, just when you're pulling two, three, four permanents from your your opponents, you know, on on each of their turns, <laughs> it's it's so huge the disparity that it creates, and it it's just awesome. Yeah, I, it's, I, so I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. 
when we announced when we decided this was what we were going with and you know the patrons voted and all that i was not super excited um because i i don't have a lot of i i didn't have a lot of interest in turgrid um after i saw you guys build these lists i got really excited because these lists look fun as hell um and they they honestly just look like they're a blast um you know phoenix when we're talking about yours, we talked about this a little bit earlier where you don't really have a, you know, what you w- one would say a real combo uh, where, I, I mean, I guess the real only real combo would be like, like, like Turgrid and Possessed Portal, right? Yeah. And I don't really have a win condition either other than that. Um, the one thing that I could maybe air quotes into a combo that is in the <laughs> deck is you have Bone Miser, and then if you have something like Necropotence, or if you Chain of Smog yourself, and then copy the Chain of Smog on yourself, you can kind of hand sculpt yourself into a winning hand. Something that will answer what's on the board, or get you to possess Portal, something along those lines. Wait, can you? Depends on what's in your hand, but kind of. Right. It, if, if you've got two... You know, if you start with, you know, two non-land, non-creature cards, then you can chain of smog targeting yourself and then discard those cards, draw two cards, and then put another copy of chain of smog onto the stack right. and then repeat. Um, you're, you're, sure, you're, but that only works until you hit creatures or lands. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So it's, it, it's, it's going to be, that's going to be a lot better if you've got for sure, if you've got Necropotence or something like that, where you, where you you're starting, or you know Villas or something like that, where you're starting from. There's only a lot of cards that are and a then, lot better when you have Necropotence in play. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then of course you are playing. Uh, so it's kind of the Shadow Bag technology as well, where right. if you then hit your uh, Shadow of the Grave in the middle of that, then you do actually get to hand sculpt yourself. Right. So I'm not going to lie, when I first looked at the document with all of our deck lists side by side, I'd kind of scrolled down a bit and hadn't checked whose was whose up at the top. <laughs> and I just saw the bone miser. I was like, oh, well, there's <laughs> Yep, That's right. That's right. So I saw bone miser and shadow of the grave. I was like, oh, that one's cobbles. All right, cool. Nope. And then I scrolled up. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. See, I've I've moved on. I'm, I'm on to bigger and better things now. Are you though? No, I'm not. I just like to say that. I feel like that's and how high Other than that, that, I did. Uh, <laughs> Ouch! I did have the entire combo that Koppel was actually talking about with the deserted temple and the Kabbalah coffers and Rings of Bright Hearth, and decided that Rings of Bright Hearth was too dead of a card to keep in. Right, but you do and still have the deserted temple and the Kabbalah coffers. Yeah, I do. In this yeah, case, making a bunch of mana. Seems a little sus. Seems a little sus to me. Making a bunch of mana to activate the backside of Turgrid is generally the game plan at that point, or maybe activate the uh, value lands that we have that are doing things with Turgrid. Right. Um, and sure, if if you have six devotion to black, that's great. But like, it's a bit bit of a big if, right? Yeah, something like Gyrie Sanitarium discarding two rather than one with Turgrid out, something like that. That also works. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into that mana base here in a moment um, because I actually do want to get into these mana bases this week because there's there's some interesting things uh, going on uh, in there. But you know, and really when we get down to it uh, with 
with spleen face, you know, your, your combos, we talked, touched on this a little bit earlier. You do have grasp of fate, uh, or not grasp of fate, Jesus, um, Praetor's grasp. Praetor's grasp. Um, and then the Marlin opposition agent. So if you want to talk about that for a moment. Uh, yeah. So those cards are in my deck and (laughs) you win the game. Um, So I, I, I don't know what else there is to say. Other, fair enough. I mean, I, I think I talked in my win condition sections. I sort of talked about the rationale behind including these cards. Um, well, you know, to be fair, also, I just kind of tune you out when you talk. I don't blame you. <laughs> I've never blamed anyone for that. Um, so no, the thing- so the, the other thing with grasp is that. Um, Again, because I'm running so many things, like I really just want the whole table to be hellbent. Um, it's nice to be able to grasp something and then, uh, right. like, have it in exile, and then I can just play it when I need it, and then not have to worry that, like, oh no, it's not the right time to play it. But like, I'm slowly whittling down everyone's hands, and like, I'm gonna have to discard this next turn or whatever. Right, guys, I have you. Been- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I I was, I was gonna meme. <laughs> so, like the, the the big difference between Praetor's Grasp and Opposition Agent is that Opposition Agent fixes the mana for you. You can mm-hmm. spend black mana as any kind. Um, if if you're if you're going for the Praetor's Grasp to grab somebody's Oracle, um, have you found in in practice that like getting the BB or getting the blue blue is um so yeah oracle's definitely like a rough one to try and take um needing two mana is is like a lot harder than than only needing one um like so so often you might go for like you could go for breach you could even conceivably go for like ad nauseum or pure yeah. obviously this deck doesn't have great ad nauseums but in a super low like if everyone else is in a super low resource situation, just like a mid-range Adnaz that draws 20 life worth of cards, which is like, even though this deck is pretty chunky, that's still like 10 plus cards, right? Yeah. Is often just going to be good enough. Um, so yeah, it's certainly like, again, it's not a it's not a proactive game plan where it's not like, oh, I have Praetor's Grasp, so I'm just going to tutor for consult and then take someone's oracle and jam it. Because the other thing with that is that, like, you don't have ways to protect it, right? I'm playing right. Imp's Mischief because I'm in mono black. <laughs> so, so like, you can either just really early take an oracle and then try and assemble some way to pay for it, you know, stealing someone's dockside or whatever. Um, or you can take something that's just a little bit easier to cast. Right. Um, and just use it more proactively rather than holding it as an A plus B combo that you're trying to assemble. Guys, listen. Like it problems it doesn't pl- if you run up again, if you play against Dan, it'll be fine. You just Praetor's grasp him for a lab maniac. Problem solved. <laughs> you Which have Dan? to be you have to be playing mm-hmm. Lab Man Dan okay. specifically. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, I think that like this is certainly not um it, it doesn't play... Praetor's Grasp is not a fastest oracle in this deck, right? right. It's not like, we're just going to hold this until we assemble the combo. It's not even, you know, people always talk about, like, oh, you can play the Isochron Scepter, you know, and put, like, a counterspell under it. And, yeah, you can do that. But, like, <laughs> this is a card that you are probably more often than not using in some sort of proactive way to further your game plan rather than saving as 
one part of an A plus B combo. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. That that makes sense. And I think that because I think there's a lot of people who um, especially, you know, who who might play this that would play, you know, like the Jund's like Corvold lists and things like that and see Praetor's Grasp as that A plus B enabler. And, you know, it is I, I do appreciate you pointing that out where it's, you know, not in this list. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the only way base, just not including other people's decks that all of us are playing to make blue mana is probably Lion's Eye Diamond. Or Lotus Petal, potentially. Right. Yeah. Um, th- I mean, we're all playing Mox Diamond, though obviously that only makes one. Um, but yeah, that that is the other thing is that... Follow our stone. There you go. Yep. Uh, presumably, also, you are going to wind up with other people's lands at some point. This right, is, that's I, the main I, thing. Well, it's it's very difficult to evaluate this deck by gold fishing because like it so matters <laughs> what you're getting from people, right? right? Like you can't just be like, okay, my opponents discard three cards each. Okay, how many lands do I get off of that? Right. Like, hey, you're is tur- is two a reasonable assumption? Like, I don't know. Um, I turbo a Turgrid and I cast Pox. What do I get? Right. I don't know. Like, it's it's sort of like if you've ever tried to like goldfish like. How many cards does this Mystic Remora draw? How many cards, or how much mana does this Carpet of Flowers make? Like, that sort of stuff. But it's like that, except it's your commander, so you see it literally every game, and you're just like, I don't right. know. <laughs> and and this is, this is kind of interesting, because I feel like this deck has got to be a nightmare. Like, you think Paco and Halden is hard to play on, on webcam? <laughs> I... <laughs> I've seen people play it on webcam. They just have to have a ton of dry erase um, infinite tokens and it winds up being impossible to tell what the heck is happening on the Turgrid player's board because uh, unless they have like really good handwriting, they've just got, you know, like 30, you know, handwritten tokens on their right. side of the board. And I'm, it's, I'm honestly super impressed that infinite tokens managed to make a business model out of their dry erase tokens when you can literally use a dry erase marker on a sleeve with a white piece of paper in it. I, yeah. I don't know. That, that's some tenacity. Like They did it. <laughs> they got there. And they're nice. I, like, I even have a couple, but it's like... I, I don't know. See? This is true. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of moving on now, like, we've, we've really talked a lot about a lot of the stuff here in these kind of... Uh, later stages of this, um, you know, but, you know, as we're looking at key cards and we're really looking at, you know, what the, the, the big things you want to be looking for um, when you're trying to go about playing this deck, Cobble, what are the key cards for your list? So uh, really depends kind of on the stage of the game. So early on, you the first thing that you want is disruption. And, you know, hand disruption is, is, is really kind of one of the key things you want because you want to will people's hands down. So for me, if, if I've got a, like a turn one vampiric tutor and, you know, I'm trying to think of the thing that I want to play on my second turn or, you know, the thing I want to open with if, if I can, um, it's going to be like a Chains of Mephistopheles or Oppression. One of those two is kind of like the first things that I want to get on the table um, just because it's going to have both kind of the macro effect like i was talking about before you know stopping people from being able to kind of do the big sweeping turns but also have kind of like that chiseling away effect that is going to be useful later for being able to extract value with with turgrid um one of the things that's 
really important here too is that uh, if you're not if you're not getting other people's remoras and ristic studies and you know other you know card draw engines um it's it's really important that you kind of get something in place so uh if i do have you know especially if i get like an oppression in play or something like that then um you want to look up something like a waste knot or tiny bones as well just because you're you're not naturally just going to draw into a ton of cards right so um you you, you want to kind of have that th- those things kind of paired together so you know you, you definitely want to lean more on the disruption stuff but once you've kind of got yourself established with disruption you really do want to get some sort of card advantage piece um like those as well even if it's like a dark confidant or something like that it makes a big difference and then later in the game obviously once once you've kind of got the the rest of that kind of infrastructure shored up that's when you want to th- be thinking about either smokestack or possess portal possess portal is obviously the better one but you know it, it's eight mana so um possess portal is like you know putting a, a smokestack onto the battlefield already set at like four or whatever um, right because that's effectively what it's what it's going to do per per rotation so um it's it's really really worth it and it, you know the fact that it makes people not be able to draw at all as a replacement effect saying you know if someone would draw they don't draw um or no it's not is is it, I, think is it's it a pre- I think it's been eroded to a prevention effect. Okay, so yeah, it, it is a, it's a, you can't draw, period. So, like, people can't even win with Lab Man and that kind of stuff. So, um, that's... Oh. oh, it actually hasn't. No, it's not a prevention effect. So, they can win with Lab Man and... Oh, so it is the replacement. Okay, that's... I guess they could give people treasures with Hullbreacher if they really wanted to. I, I can't see why they would want to, but they right. could. Okay. But the fact that, you know, it holds people off of their draws is just, it's just you know butter on top of the the, the the sacrifice and discard effects that are there so it's cannot be overstated how good that card is especially with a turret on the board right and you know kind of just touching on this for a moment is you know one of the lands that are in this is Mishra's Workshop. Um, and you and Phoenix both are playing that. And this was a card that I heavily advocated that both of you play. Um, because, so, so Cobble's on 25 artifacts. Phoenix is on 23 artifacts. And some of them are pricey. Um, and, and so the advantage that Mishra's Workshop gives you here is pretty substantial, right? Oh, yeah. And... Uh, given the density, like like you said, um, you you really need to have the density of artifacts in your list to qualify the inclusion of that card. Just mm-hmm. because it feels it's 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 a land that doesn't do anything if you don't have the artifacts to right. you know to, to to qualify its inclusion. So, um, but if you are playing an artifact dense uh, list, then I mean it's it's insane. Right. And it, it is important to note, you know, you, where you're playing a stacks list where, you know, you can jam out a turn one sphere of resistance or, you know, a tangle wire really early and those sorts of things. Like it has a lot of things. And your list specifically, you run the expedition map. So you even have a way to get it if you need it. Right. And and we'll talk about that once we get into the the, the individual cards and mm-hmm. talking about our our but yeah, I'm 
having expedition map is 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 very important for choosing certain lands at certain points in the game we'll talk about that soon yeah absolutely uh kind of moving over to phoenix uh you have uh some of the same things going on as cobble does uh with waste not and tiny bones of course you also have bone miser uh you're also running chains but you're big you're you're the only one running bolus's citadel yeah I think the card kind of speaks for itself unless you cast cards off the top of your deck and in a deck where we're trying to go hellbent, mm-hmm. it's allowing us to draw more cards in the situation where we're hellbent. Right. I mean, it also definitely helps that you're not, like, it it's, becomes a lot worse if your deck is playing things like uh, Sphere of Resistance and Thorn of Amethyst, with both, which both Goblin and I are playing. Yeah, exactly. So, definitely a bit of a one or the other. Yeah, right. yeah for sure. But it, it definitely, the fact that it doesn't require drawing um, is good. So if you're doing things like, you know, Chains of Mephistopheles or whatever, um, it's it's helping you to kind of get around the the effects that are prohibiting people from, from being able to draw profitably. And um, it allows you to kind of ignore things that, you know, whatever it is that's in your hand. So, you know, similar to the way that Praetor's Grasp allows you to kind of, you know, keep something safe in exile and it's kind of insulated from the discard effects you have in play. Uh, Bolus of Citadel is, is also kind of giving you some sort of an insulation from that. You, you don't care as much about what you have in your hand because you know that you can cast things off the top of your library. Right. And I actually have another card that's doing that exact same thing, which is Dream Devourer. And so that's the new yes. two-mana, all your cards gain foretell creature. And so mm-hmm. that's in there for exactly the reason that you were talking about. We're playing a lot of symmetric discard effects, things like that. And so when you Dream Devourer, you get it out of your hand, you still have access to the card, but then you're not losing cards when you're discarding. Right. Well, that makes sense. Uh, I'm really excited to see... Phoenix, I want you to build or put this together so bad. I want to. I want to <laughs> see you play it. I just. I want to see all of you play this at some point. I just. I really think these lists look cool. Um, That's actually think. Think about. Think about the four-way Turgrid mirror. Oh my gosh! Please no. <laughs> Absolutely wait, 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 not. Is this yours? Mine. Wait. Whose is this? <laughs> yes. Well, it looks like you get it. How does well, this I mean, layer? When we eventually, when we eventually get around to doing a twenty-four hour live stream, that can add <laughs> like half of it, right? How long would that game go? I don't know. I mean, we already had the the all stacks pod, you know. So I mean, we've had that too many times. We have had that too many times. Um, it doesn't help that a lot of a lot of us in our group all kind of enjoy playing disruptive games. <laughs> So, um, Spleen, going over to you, you play, uh, you have a lot of different stuff going on. Of course, like you said, you're playing the Thorn of the Amethyst, the Sphere of Resistance, all that jazz. Uh, but you're also playing some very unique cards, uh, specifically one that sticks out to me is Awaken the Erstwhile. Okay, so, so a little bit of background on this card. This is a card that I've wanted to put in decks for a very, very long time. Um, I tried it very, very briefly in Muldrotha. It didn't work. Um, I was brewing a Verena Reanimator deck. It didn't work. Um, it probably the closest I got was in my Yogamoth brew because essentially you make everyone discard their hands and get zombies, and then you can just sack the zombies to draw cards. So like, you make your opponents discard their hands and get zombies. 
Um, but then I finally, like, <laughs> this was the deck. I was like, okay, we're clearly not going to play Ad Nauseam because this deck <laughs> doesn't play the Ad Nauseam and has a very chunky curve. And, like, you know, we're playing, you know, we, we can't play Rule of Laws, but we're playing the next best things. Um, so then I was like, well, you know what? If I can make my opponents discard their hands uh, and then I get all the permanents they discard... <laughs> that seems about as good as this card's ever going to get. Uh, so, it's in the deck. <laughs> I will not be taking questions at this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're also playing Mind Slicer, um, which you noted We're as all playing a, Mind Slicer. We're all playing Mind Slicer. Well, you noted it as a card that was sp- I sure in, did, yeah. in, in there. Um yeah, I'm just going off of your show notes, dude. Yeah, so yeah, under my key cards, it's definitely, I mean, I probably could have put it with Awaken the Erstwhile and then put some of the other discard effects that I'm running that the others are not. Um, because really, just as I said earlier, I really focused this deck around getting everyone hellbent. Um, and I went a lot deeper on that than I think either of Cobble or Frank right. did. Yeah, I just right. want to live the dream of Chains in the Anvil of Bogarden. <laughs> And watch that's, everyone yeah, hate their lives. Except the Gitrod players. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um, I, I, I'm honestly, I'm excited for people to be able to play Chains now that Gitrog is on life support, I guess. <laughs> Fallen from grace. Don't tell the Gitrog server. Oh, I have. Multiple times. To their faces. <laughs> like, don't oh, you have perfect. multiple people on Into the North who are, like, very active? I was gonna active. say, isn't Noobzors, uh... I'm pretty sure that the five games of Gitrog I played at Tier 1 Con on the weekend are more than he's played in the last few months. So let me... So I need to get my obligatory Lavinia reference in. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> do you though? <laughs> do, do, did you think... Did, how did you feel uh, Gitrog was as compared to Lavinia? I know the answer, but I just want to hear it. Gitrog is better than Lavinia, and it's not close. <laughs> like, I, I don't I even have anything drop. particularly fun or funny to say here. <laughs> I just love it. I, I, I just, I can't help myself. I've got to bring it up. Um, so as we move over into the, the tech pieces where everybody's kind of on some specific tech, Cobble, uh, what is your kind of pieces of that that you really want to kind of key in on um it's it's not a tech piece but it's it's important in in understanding kind of the 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 way that it it fits within the deck especially given kind of the parasitic nature is is urborg tomb of yagmoth um because when when things are going according to plan and you're you're going to be taking your opponent's lands um, and it, even not when you're, you know, doing, you know, mass land destruction, you know, just fetch lands and things like that. Um, being able to treat those lands as swamps is, is real important just so that, you know, you don't have like this random mountain that you can't like use, um, being able to, you know, extract black from it is useful. Um, being able to, uh, f- you know, sacrifice it to Lake of the Dead is, is really useful, especially, you know, um, if you've got you know a limited number of actual swamps 
that you have at your disposal if you know just every land that you're you're peeling off of one of your opponents happens to be a swamp um it, it just pays big dividends and i've i've noticed that that prioritizing the getting of urborg into play um especially like kind of immediately prior to getting turgrid onto the battlefield is um i i think that that's a a very profitable play okay um yeah it's interesting i wanted to i wanted to highlight um i think that this is like one of a few cards in a category like with lake of the dead when i initially built my list i had lake of the dead in it i think i even went uh deeper like i was on some of the like the lands that sacrifice themselves for for two mana type thing um like it was an ebon stronghold is that the uh wow like enters depletion lands I, no, I think Ebon Stronghold is the other one of that cycle where it enters tapped and then you can tap it for one or tap sack it for two. Um, From Fallen just Empires? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I could be wrong, though. It might be the Depletion Land. Um, but anyways, um, like I just went very deep on like lands that produced extra mana at the expense of not producing mana forever. Um, and then I just, like, you know, cast... Like, I played Lake of the Dead and sacked a swamp, and then tapped it and sacked a swamp, and then cast Smallpox, and then I was like, wait a minute. Like, I'm just, you know, this is a deck that, like, runs several ways of making people sacrifice lands, and then I was like, you know what, I think I actually want all of my lands to not go to the graveyard unless they absolutely have to. That's a, uh, a part of the reason why I'm, I actually... Uh, am not running um, Death Cloud. And like I, I know that you can kind of have fine grain control over, you know, you know, what you choose for your X there to to be able to keep, you know, certain lands that you, that you want to have in play. Well but, they do have um, to be integers, but I guess that's true. But um yeah, just to that to that notion of you you, you know what? It, it it is it is nice to be able to hold on to specific lands. You know, like Nykthos and Urborg and, you know, Lake of the Dead and that kind of thing. And I found that these these things that are just kind of like carte blanche, just uh, sweeping all of the lands off the, the, the table. It's like, yeah, you're going to get the things from your opponents, but um, th- th- there is a cost to losing out on, like, Nykthos and losing out on Urborg and Lake of the Dead. And uh, for that reason, I'm, like, Pox is kind of like the, 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 the top of... Of, of that category that I'm choosing to keep in the list. Interesting. Um, we've heard a little bit about this next kind of side of things that uh, Phoenix is playing is this deserted temple plus utility lands. Um, so when we're, we're looking at the tech that you were playing Phoenix, what are you doing uh, with those and some of your other tech pieces? Yeah. So my mana base is significantly different from both Cobble and uh, Swing Faces mana base, and a lot of that lends itself from the fact that I am playing Villas, so I am in fact playing Fetch Lands. And so neither Cobble nor Swing Face have any reason to need to play Fetch Lands, and so in my case I'm just getting extra draw off of them in some scenarios. And then on top of that I have some more utility lands, and I'm kind of focusing more on those utility lands as my repeated source of discard, rather than playing some of the enchantments that both Kamal and Spleen are playing. 
And so using something like Deserted Temple to activate Gyro Reach Sanitarium more than once, or uh, for some reason I can't remember the name, it's the Castle Lockway. And so okay. uh, once I'm hell-bent activating Castle Lockway and, and drawing more cards, filling up my hand, um, and then I am playing Tabernacle, which neither of you are playing. And then I'm definitely playing Urborg. I definitely didn't forget to put it in the list and just update it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I Can you talk actually, about Tabernacle a little bit more? Yeah, so Tabernacle... Not gonna lie, I first didn't have Urborg in my deck, and then I was like, wait a minute, I'm stealing other people's lands, and they might not tap for black. <laughs> I meant to have it in, and I just had a technical oversight, and it's in now. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tabernacle... No attention. Tabernacle especially is really good in the scenario where you're, just like you were talking about, Cobble, where you're playing Death Cloud, where you're playing Pox, where... If you can get all of the lands off the table except for Tabernacle, you can end up getting a whole pile of creatures that maybe do something that you want them to do when they enter the battlefield or something along those lines. Um, okay. Other than that, it's just a value... I would say maybe like a one-mana artifact, something that eats up your land drop for the turn, but something that we're okay sacrificing to a Pox or a Death Cloud if we end up needing to do that. That makes sense. Yeah. That's a good inclusion. I think I might add that to mine. Yeah, my so I like initially sort of looked at the upsides and was like, it makes people sacrifice things, and then we get them, and that's great. And then I sort of thought about it, and I just found that like this deck doesn't have the mana to be continuously needing. First of all, playing a land that doesn't have your mana. Second of all, then needing to pay for the important stuff, and then also a lot of the stuff that you're going to be getting you're like it's just not going to be worth it to pay for it right yeah and it is important to note that my deck does have a couple less creatures than both yours yeah that's that's fair as well also true and so you know we we had touched a little bit to phoenix on your list about playing dream devour and how that you know you're the only one playing that and that's one of those cards that kind of allows you to uh, what was the word you used? Still play your cards without discarding them? Yeah. And I I think there's kind of a line of cards that you can see in my includes. Something like something like Dream Devour, something like Bone Miser, Phyrexian Arena. I'm okay with tapping out in turn two, turn three, turn four, and just showing my opponents that I have nothing, and if you don't stop my other opponents from winning, I guess we're going to the next game. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and you're also playing Karn too. Um, what was kind of the thought process of playing Karn? Yeah, so Karn is obviously a one-sided board wipe. Uh, Karn is also a way to convert. Uh, Black notoriously has issues dealing with artifacts and enchantments. Uh, I am playing a couple more. Uh, well, a couple more. A single more piece of enchantment rule with the Farika's Libation, which lets you cause opponents to sacrifice enchantments if you want to. Um, but Karn is one of the few ways to turn an artifact into a creature and then use Black's creature removal on that artifact. Okay. Uh, yep. If there's something problematic on the board, something that you can't deal with. The you know, the ability to just null rod all of your opponent's artifacts is, is also upside too. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> um going over to 
uh, Spleen Face, one of the cards. You, you had a couple cards on there, um, and I'm really interested to hear about you know your tech pieces and really kind of where they where they are. Um, yeah, so I think one of the one of the cards I was actually most surprised not to see in other people in uh, in Cobbler Phoenix's lists was the uh, was the bottomless pit. Um, obviously, like the discard effects get significantly worse from there, but just the fact that that one's random uh, in my mind hugely increases the value um, to the point where I think I actually put like I'm not even sure. I think I thought of it before I thought of Desolation for this deck. Um, because you just... First of all, you want to be hitting things that are good for you to get with Turgrid, and then second of all, you just want to be taking, like, you know... You want to be taking their, like, Demonic Tutor, right? There, there's a reason that, that him to Turak is, like, you know, a card that gets itself banned in formats, and, like, Mind Rot is a card that's barely playable and limited. Um, and so, so that was definitely one, um, I'm honestly, I, so I have, uh, I have Nether Void in there, um, I don't know, obviously that's, like, a card that's very, very difficult to evaluate without just playing a lot of games with it, um, and would probably also vary hugely in value by your metagame, um, but that was, like, to me, that was a pretty natural feeling extension of, uh, of, um, you know, the, the Sphere of Resistance and Thorn of Amethyst and Trinisphere, uh, and Damping right. Sphere, which I'm also running. Uh, yeah, well, the, explain one, the Damping Sphere for me for a second. It's just another sort of anti-storm, uh, hate piece. Obviously, it's like, it's not as good at the low end. Okay. Um, but it quickly gets to the point where, like, like if you if you try and cast three spells in a turn, then it's a sphere of resistance. And if you try and go beyond that, it's even better than a sphere of resistance. Um, okay. So it's not great against stopping like Oracle Consult, um, but it's very very good against um, things that involve casting, you know, th three or four or five spells. Like, like even just. Um, you know, tutoring, like even just tutoring and playing your win condition, it's pretty good against that sort of thing. Um, let alone, you know, trying to ritual, like hands where you go, like ritual wheel and then try and play stuff off the wheel. You know, think uh, just a bunch of things like that. Um, so and I, I, I think that makes sense given, like you, you, you said that you kind of made an intentional choice kind of against the lands that tap for more than one mana. Where uh, um, yeah, to to an extent, yes, they're those play in with each other as well. Um, I mean, I am still running Nykthos because I think it's like a very low, it's a low opportunity cost, right? Um, but enabling me to play Damping Sphere was, you know, it like if I was running those lands, it would definitely make Damping Sphere a lot less appealing, right? So that's because I, I I think I considered I considered Damping Sphere, but given how much I lean on things like Nykthos and Lake of the Dead and Mishra's Workshop. Um, you know, just the, the, the non-bow potential, just it, it feels really bad. Oh, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And I think one card that um, both of you are running that I'm not, that sort of jumped out to me 
uh, initially a strange is uh, is Wishclaw Talisman. Um, I'm I'm curious. Like I, you know, it's obviously a very strong tutor. But when I was sort of thinking about the deck, I went like, if you don't end the game, Wishclaw Talisman is a huge liability, right? Like I was thinking like, oh yeah, I can Wishclaw Talisman. I can make everyone hellbent. And then I can die to whatever the person I gave the wish god talisman to tutors. Um, I'm curious, like what you know when you opposition agent. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, that... yes, getting opposition <laughs> agent is is very good. Like that's that's um, the main for for me. Like that's the main thing that's there for. Or you you if you've already got opposition agent, sort sort of like what you said, where you know you're that's kind of a high priority thing that you want to get in play early, just because it has such a big effect. That um, either you use it to go and find opposition agent, or you probably already got opposition agent, and then well, okay, then you can just use it with impunity. Or you could twelve head your opponents. You <laughs> tutor, you pass holding three <laughs> mana. They don't activate it, and then on your turn, you place the thing that you tutored for that isn't opposition agent and pass holding three mana. <laughs> that, that is twelve heads. <laughs> got him. Um, um, I, I did want I did want to just mention the bottomless pit too because um, right. that that's not that's not like a forgot it. Um, there, there's a lot of time and and I I definitely will you know admit that there's you know arguments can be made for and against, but um, this is a very kind of uh, determined kind of a lot of times very slow and methodical accumulation of of hate pieces kind of a list. And there's, there's times where it's like, okay, I've got, you know, possessed portal in hand, or, you know, I've got something in hand that is high value that is, you know, either I don't have the resources in play yet, or I have, you know, I'm, it's, it's not the right moment. I need to get this other thing in play first and then this thing. Um, and I just found that the liability of losing something or, or, or even worse, like a card advantage piece, like waste knot or something like that. Um, just not being able to be in control of the things that you, you yourself are discarding felt like, you know, like a, a, a high liability. Do you, do you feel like that that's mitigated or that that's acceptable? Um, certainly I like built my deck so that there's not a huge number of things that I'm not okay discarding. Uh, there's definitely just like, you know, with my repeated discard effects, there's just a huge density of those, and like I often was goldfishing hands where I had multiple of them, and then it was like, oh, I discarded, you know, I like I discarded Necrogen Mists to my bottomless pit. Like I'm okay with this, um, and there's not like I tried to build the deck so that there weren't cards that I didn't want to play early, as well. Right. Um, so, you know, I. I was very rarely faced with this, like, oh, I want to hold this. I don't want to play it yet, um, but I also want to start getting everyone hellbent. So I just, you know, I just sort of accepted that, like, right. I'm going to be getting hellbent, and that means that it's hard in these types of hands. It's going to be difficult for me to make long-term plans, uh, and I just kind of leaned into that. Okay. Like, one one of the cards that I immediately think of as... Like one that that I include as kind of like a hedge of okay, I'm expecting that I'm just going to be discarding cards a lot, and it's okay. Is uh, Yogmoth's will, and 
you know, kind of with the expectation of, okay, well, that's going to be kind of a, well, if I, if I lost some pieces in hand, then I'm just going to be able to use that later to, you know, kind of clean up whatever stuff I, I, I lost to the bin and, um, not being able to be in charge of, of being able to hold that in hand. Uh, maybe that's just me being a little bit, you know, risk averse or, or whatever. Um, no, I, d- I definitely get that. And like, that's one of the reasons I did put in the, uh, the Volrath stronghold. Um, cause you can buy back some of those more key pieces. That makes um, sense. But I definitely, I, and obviously I thought about Yogmoth's will. I was like, we're all going to be discarding our hands. I'll just slam Yogmoth's will. Um, and then I, looked at the transfer sphere of resistance throwing a band <laughs> sphere and nether void and went like you know maybe this isn't the deck for well. <laughs> right nether void nether void is one of those where i think people might look at it and be like oh that's you know just like another rule of law effect because it's going to keep people to only playing one spell per turn i mean in a lot of circumstances it keeps people to casting zero spells per turn and um adding the three mana to to every single spell like of any spell that you know people try to cast is just so much that um i i find that you know if you if you didn't find a way to get you know lake of the dead online or something like that that a lot of the important pieces just become out of reach and then you lose your tempo of being able to kind of accelerate your your hate pieces onto the board and I don't know if if you've experienced similar kind of you know drawbacks to to running that card. Uh, yeah, I definitely have. Um, it's a card that can be hard to to play out early, um, and I think that like in many ways it sort of exacerbates the like. It, I know Phoenix was basically saying like he just sort of accepted you know that uh, if if uh, someone else isn't helping slow down the game, that it's probably just going to run away from him. As a general rule, I think I was a little more pessimistic and like actually tried to um, build the deck a little bit more so that it would have tools to slow down the game and like, you know, be able to execute its game plan. Not obviously not independent of the pod that it's in, but less dependent on having a favorable pod composition um, and I guess this is like the one thing where uh, I just kind of went the opposite direction and went like, you know <laughs> what, if if I like if I don't come out of the gate, you know, swinging, then like, yeah, this card's going to be really rough. Um, but hopefully like I'm just, you know, I'm aggressively mulliganing for acceleration and just like trying to get off the ground uh, really fast. And so if I can develop a bit and then slam it on like turn three or four. Um, then I'm I'm very very happy with sort of my position. Yep, that makes sense. Are yeah. we ready for the secret spice? Uh oh, I don't know if either one of you saw it or even knows what the card is. But so I have. Wait, okay. Well, hang on a second. Then now now I have to look through your list and see what you <laughs> think is secret spice. It's in the sorceries. Uh, it's in the sorceries. I mean, we we did already talk. Oh, is it Virtus's maneuver? Yeah. Is so, the- outside of so, just generally, the card is just a three mana, one sided edict, right? But in the magical Turgrid Christmas Land, uh, you can actually do some spicy things with Virtus's maneuver. And so, for those who don't know what Virtus's maneuver is, it's two and a black sorcery, 
And for each player, you choose friend or foe, and each friend returns a creature card from their graveyard to their hand, and each foe sacrifices a creature they control. And so if Turgrid is out and you have people help it, you can actually force them to return creatures to their hand and then make them discard. But, but this is Magical Christmas I Land. Yes. In, in a world where in, what's in their graveyard is better than what's on their field and they're helping <laughs> and you have a way to make them discard? I mean, exactly. you're, not, you're not wrong. It is, uh, I'm not going to say that you can't do that. The evaluation Christmas is roughly comes once a year. The evaluation is that it's a card that's basically along the lines of Plague Crafter, where it's a one-sided <laughs> to, to quote, but to, to quote Friday Nights, are tickets uh -oh. to Magical Christmas Land cheaper if you book them this far in advance? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> wow. So, as we go and we look at uh, kind of comparing all the lists uh, against each other, uh, we look at, you know, the creatures that are in this list. Um, and so we look at some of the notable things that everybody's playing uh, that are very unique. We've already talked about on Cobble's list, uh, the Gravecrawler and the Micaeus. Uh, but you're also playing Liliana Heretical Healer. What's uh, kind of the thought process there? Um, it's, it's, a, it's just kind of a... Uh, winds up being, you know, eventually kind of a secondary Liliana of the Veil effect because mm. really most of the time is what you want to be doing is like, like Spleen was saying, just try to keep people hellbent as much as possible and having a, a repeatable effect that just does that uniformly to everybody every turn is, is really good. And um, the, the trade-off that you're making between Lily of the Veil versus, you know, the um, Origins Lily is that you know on the on the one you're forcing people to do kind of like another pox effect in the case of lily of the veil but it's only one player and um the origins lily is letting you recur things that you might have had to to let go because of all these sacrifice effects and um it's 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 one of those things where you know maybe in a pinch just being able to to get that dark confidant back out of your, your graveyard or, or something like that or tiny bones or you can't do a tiny bones because he's um uh legendary right but, um you know just just having you know more more density of of those those symmetric discard effects and um just extra value of being able to pull things out of your yard i i Mind Slicer, for instance, that's that's one of those mm -hmm. ones where getting a, a second hit out of that, you know, maybe after it's already, you know, happened once and people have found a way to, to, to claw back a little bit. Um, being able to just have that value, I, I found, has been has been pretty good. Right. Um, looking at uh, we go over to um, Phoenix's list. We've discussed Dream Devourer, uh, Bone Miser. Um, Villas, you've kind of touched on Villas a little bit, uh, but you're the only one playing Villas, Phoenix. So, both Cobble and Spleen are playing Razaketh instead as their reanimation target, and yep, they are also not playing Curse Totem, and so the one nice thing about Villas is that I can still get the value out of it with a Curse Totem out, and I don't have to worry about dealing with my own Curse Totem while it's out and trying to still win the game that way. Uh, Vils will still just draw me cards while Curse Stone is out. 
Right. And then, uh, so, Spleen, you really are the one that's the most divergent. We talked about Varagoth. Uh, we talked about Marilyn. Yeah, well, I think Phoenix um, is the most divergent, though maybe that's inflated by the mana base. Perhaps. Well, I mean in the creature creature department, specifically. Oh, um, you know, because you're playing Burglar Rat, you're playing Cunning Lethamancer, Elder Fang Disciple, Mar- we already talked about Marilyn, um, and I think you touched on this earlier, where it's you're just trying to get, like, a certain density of those effects, right? Yeah, and, like, I think maybe I might have been overstating the case, like, obviously getting people hellbent is, like, the ideal um, circumstance of the deck, but essentially, I just, I didn't there's like a point where your dis where the rewards for making people discard like start getting good, and I think that point is like I, I did some sort of testing where I was looking at um, like other decks that I've played and you know what would I discard here and here and and like that point was generally I I found that if you only make people discard like two cards each. You're, it's going to be pretty underwhelming in terms of what you get for Turgrid, um, but then once you get up to like three and four cards, that's when you you really start getting like the good payoffs. You start consistently getting lands. Um, potentially, you get like you know some some utility stuff that people just couldn't get out of their hands. Um, and so yeah, I just really wanted to be able to consistently make everyone discard like that many cards every game. Right. That makes sense. Um, cards that everybody is running there in the... Um, where is it? The the Creature Suite. Everybody's playing Bob. Everybody's playing Mind Sli- Slicer, Op Agent, Plague Crafter, uh, Tiny Bones. And uh, both you and Cobble Spleen are playing Rankle, Master of Pranks. And Rankle gets to pull a lot of weight as both a way of getting your opponents to sacrifice stuff and discard things, right? Oh, yeah. They definitely get prankled. It's <laughs> <laughs> the the ability that the the like I was saying before about how you know um, possess portal and smokestack are better quote unquote better than than things like necrogen mists or whatever uh, because they you know you you don't get to this point where they're like not doing anything. Um, Rankle is great because. He's got haste, so you know he he's gonna get through every time. Right and and flying, yeah, for, for, right. for sure. <laughs> right, so so he's he's gonna make contact as soon as he comes down, and uh, being able to choose between you know making people discard and making people sacrifice is it, it, it's huge, and um, just being able to kind of you know like feel out what's happening at the table. I mean, you can choose all of them if no you sense. really want to. You definitely can choose all of them. Um, I, I found that most of the time I didn't want to be making people draw unless I had like chains out, then it was pretty great. But, um, (laughs) no, the, I mean, obviously rankle isn't braids, but you know, if you squint hard enough, (laughs) if you had enough to drink, (laughs) yeah, after a few shots, it's the card, it's, it's your like. Your disappointing rebound from braids, you know. <laughs> um, as you know, we we touched on uh, planeswalkers a little bit uh, with uh, Karn being the big 
uh, divergence away uh, from everybody else with Phoenix playing Karn. Uh, but everybody is also on Liliana of the Veil, so uh, Reed Duke would be proud of everybody. Um, going down to the sorcery suite, and uh, really, Cobblepot's not, you're not playing anything that anybody else is not playing already. Um, you know, you're you're on Demonic Tutor. Everybody's playing that. Everybody's playing MCL Pox. You animate Smallpox, um, but you're not playing any unique cards. Um, you know, when I look at Phoenix's list, he he did. Uh, we did talk about this just a moment ago. Is the Virtues Maneuver and the Chain of Smog? We've talked about that. But Phoenix, you're also playing Knight's Whisper. And what was the thought process there? Pay two mana, draw two cards. <laughs> so you know what that's a very straightforward thought process like, that's, that's I fair. cannot find any fault with it right and I then you are blood, but. that's fair and then Spleen you are playing delirium scheme, schemes uh, and does that fall back on the I just want so much so many of these these effects right yeah I'm just trying to get I'm also uh, I guess Oh, Cobblepot's also playing uh, Mind Rake, which is the the mind route with Overload. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, just like make everyone discard, and then you get value from it uh, with either of Waste Knot or um, or Turgrid. Right. Sort of the thought process there. Okay. Right. I was I, I I came really close to running the one that has. Um, it's it's one in a black sorcery that has an alternate cost where you sacrifice a creature and each player exiles two cards from their hand. Um, something the swords. You, yeah, the fact like that you mind don't swords. get them with with Turgrid though is is uh, right, and that's that's ultimately why I chose not to do it because it was an exile effect as opposed to a discard effect. Right. But um, if you really really, you know, want to have the the high density of all the effects that's going to get people hellbent, then that one is brutal as well to include. Right. Um, mind, mind swords where it's also I don't know that you want to be sacrificing a creature all that often though I guess just paying retail for it is pretty I mean you can sacrifice other players creatures too and that's <laughs> that's like a big part of you know the creature sacrifice stuff is like with you know with Razakath it's like you don't need your own creatures I'm just gonna sacrifice this arbor elf that somebody gave me and you know go and get something useful so uh, looking at the instant suite, uh, Cobble is the only one playing Culling of the Week. Uh, and what was kind of the... You're just trying to to play it out faster, right? Right. So, you know, running Cabal Ritual, Culling of the Week, and Dark Ritual, all of those things are there for the, the circumstances either where, you know, Culling of the Week a little bit less so just because you don't have... You're not guaranteed to have a small creature, um turn one or turn two or something like that but being able to just kind of accelerate into some of the bigger pieces um especially things like possess portal obviously right. um just having this kind of this broad density through through our, our our mana base and through through our ritual suite just giving us a little bit of extra reach to get to some of those more expensive hate pieces um as early as we can right uh, Phoenix, you've got a lot of unique instants here. Uh, you're playing. We we talked about Shadow of the Grave already, and uh, I believe we talked about Farika's Libation. You're also playing Slaughter Pact and Withering Boon. Yeah, Slaughter Pact. I'm playing instead of Deadly Rollick, which I think both Cobble and Spleen are on, and 
I'm playing Slaughter Pact instead of Deadly Rollick because I'm not confident in the amount of times that Turgrid will actually still be on the board. Uh, it, With how commander-centric the strategy is and how relatively obvious that the commander is the main piece of the strategy if you sit across the table from this deck, um, I don't think that Deadly Rollick is going to get its free value very often. And so that's why I went with the Slaughter Pact instead. And then Withering Boon gotcha. is just a black counterspell for creatures. It stops Oracle Consult. This is true. That That is true. Um, Spleen, we already talked to you were playing Demonic Consultation, but you're also playing Malakir Rebirth and Snuff Out. Yeah. Um, I, again, found in testing... I, I, I originally had Slaughter Pact, um, and I just found that... Um, a lot of the times I was, like, very, very unhappy to be committing mana that I, you know, didn't have. Uh, or, like, wanted to use to... Like, a lot of the time it felt like I was time-walking myself with Slaughter Pact. Um, so so I tried to uh, snuff out in its place. And Malakir Rebirth just has, like, you know, it gets the occasional incidental value. Um, particularly with, like, Burglar Rat and Elder Fang Disciple. Um, but also Mind Slicer and Plaguecrafter to an extent, and that it's just a land um, if you need it to be. So there's it's it's definitely not uh, particularly deep. That's uh, fair. But I I found that having uh, one tapped land was uh, manageable. Right. Uh, moving on into the artifact suite, um, you know. Everybody, Spleen, you are playing the slimmest amount of artifacts. Uh, you, we, we talked about Damping Sphere, but you're also playing Charcoal Diamond, uh, which is the tapped, I believe that's the, the P2 mana tap. Yeah, it's just the Enters tapped um, monocolor rock. Okay. And it's sad, and you don't want to be playing it, but you don't get access to better rocks in uh, in monocolor, unfortunately. Right. Uh, that's one of those things that's like... Very, right. <laughs> very, very sad. At least in my book, that you know, there's two. Like you get to play Arcane Signet, Felwar Stone. If you, if you're in two colors, essentially you have six two mana enters untapped, make one or both of your color rocks, and then right, no talisman and, for you. Yeah, <laughs> you don't get talismans. You don't get signets. Um, so it's definitely like a little bit rough. It's just a feel bad. Low, low colors, but. Uh, I just you just want to be accelerating as much as possible in, right. in ways that uh, don't go away. Like I, I even looked at playing some of the worst one, like uh, you know Cold Steel Heart and jeez. Um, oh, uh, I mean, I guess Cold Steel Heart is basically just Charcoal Diamond. In I was deck. just gonna um, say, right? But uh, oh, what's it? Star Compass. Like I considered it, um, but I think probably before going into one of the conditional ones i just go for something that makes colorless like uh, prismatic lens but um yeah i just wanted to be making black mana and i wanted to be making more of it than the number of lands i could play and your options are pretty limited in mono black right um also you know we you and phoenix are both playing anvil of bogarden uh phoenix you're also playing bolus citadel which is unique um you're playing Mindstone, uh, but I think the the big two things here that I see is 
uh, scroll rack and cursed totem. And you touched a little bit on that you are playing cursed totem. You're only one playing cursed totem, but why that inclusion specifically? The only activated ability in my tired deck that I care about is maybe tiny bones activation, and okay. that is once in a blue moon. It is possible sometimes that Curse Totem could be turning off Mana Dorks that I'm getting, but I'm willing to take that risk for the slowdown effect that it has on green decks. There is a Villas in your deck, right? Yeah, but... Oh well. I, I mean, sure, I'm, I'm not saying that that precludes you running Curse Totem, I just... I don't Saying I don't care about it feels uh, a little disparaging to, to Villas. Definitely activating Villas is... Uh, oh, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, the, um, the Mind Stone, I had the exact same thought process that Spleen did, and rather than land on Charcoal Diamond, I landed on something that I could sacrifice for a card if I needed to. Yeah, that's fair. And then Scroll Rack, uh, you're just trying to find stuff, right? Yeah, or the real spicy line that I thought of when I was thinking about including it was just if I know that I'm doing something like pox or making people hellbent, being able to ditch the cards that I want to play from my hand and putting them on top of my deck and then making everybody hellbent and drawing that card off the top. Right. Um, you know... It- the, the first person to... I guess, uh, no, uh, God Eternal Kefnet uses it this way too, but the real value in the score rack being that you get to put cards back on top, not that you get to take cards off the top. Oh yeah, when I when your Mind Slicer is going to trigger and you don't want to lose two of the cards in your hand or something like that, that's exactly the reason <laughs> it's in there. Uh, Cobble, you are playing the most artifacts of everybody. Uh, you are uniquely playing Phyrexian Alder, Expedition Map, Tangle Wire, and Torpor Orb. Uh, so kind of the thought process, we talked about expedition map a little bit earlier and we know that Phyrexian altar is part of your, uh, combo piece with, uh, uh, and grave crawler. Uh, but you know, tingle wire and torpor orb, you know, torpor orb, I'm assuming you're attacking specifically, uh, kind of doxides and, um, oracles. Right. That's a, that's a hedge against oracle and doxide for the most part. I'm less so doxide because, we're okay with dockside triggering if you know somebody else's dockside dies and comes over to our side but um we we don't have great ways to interact with oracle and this is just kind of a hedge um another you know you know hopeful way to keep those those players who are you know on blue black distracted from being able to to do their win con long enough for us to be able to kind of get a foothold on on what's happening in the game and similar kind of thing with with tangle wire. Uh, tangle wire isn't a you know a permanent measure that will uh, establish you know a game state where people can't get out of it, but it will delay the game long enough for uh, you know you know you, you see it. It's it's a very common stacks piece for uh, giving people a window to be able to you know just either you know get that extra hate piece or get you know sequence a couple of plays to be able to to reach that foothold that they're trying to get to um and you know it certainly goes without saying that if you've got turgrid out then getting your tangle wire into play is, is going to be even better because you know you're you're going to be pulling permanents from other players so you're going to have extra chaff to be able to tap so the you know e- even while it's live it's going to have a you know a 
disproportionate effect on your opponents than it's going to have on you because you're going to have kind of things that you don't care about that you can just kind of tap and, and not really feel the adverse effects. Right. It's also disproportionately affects your opponents because it's such a hilariously asymmetrical design. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm just going to tap the tangle wire. Every time. Yep. They tap four, then I tap two, then they tap three, then I tap one. Yeah, that's symmetrical. <laughs> Seems good. Yep, that checks out. Um, looking over at the enchantment, um, the cobble yours is uh, pretty, you know, every you, you have a lot of overlap, all entire overlap pretty much with everybody else. Uh, you're playing, you know, Animate Dead, Blood Chief Ascension, Chains, Contamination, Desolation, Necrogen Mists, all that jazz. Um Phoenix, you're playing Phyrexian Arena, and that's your big uh, departure from the rest of the group. Uh, what's wow, the thought what process of that? Radical I know, radical right? Brain. You want to draw cards, right? Phyrexian Arena is definitely emblematic of the difference in strategy between my deck and the other two. The fact that I'm willing to tap out for three mana for a card next turn is right. very emblematic of the difference. Right. Um, looking at spleen faces, you've got nether void, which we've talked about. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, is words of waste. And how, what is this doing for you? For, especially for somebody who's not familiar with this card. Yeah. So, um, there's a whole cycle of cards that, uh, words of wind is the blue one that's yeah. probably seen more commonly. Um, and essentially it says you pay one and then it says the next time you would draw a card this turn, um, each one has an effect. And the uh, the black one, Words of Waste, is instead uh, each opponent discards a card. So essentially you can just turn, like, you hit a certain point in the game where, like, often you'll, because the deck doesn't run a ton of, um, like, card draw specific value engines, you often run out of cards first. Um and then it's quite possible that, um, the, like, the cards that you're going to be drawing are going to line up pretty poorly against a card in each of your opponent's hands. So, essentially, you can just exchange that and make them uh, discard instead. Um, and and just sort of try and drag everyone... <laughs> do your best to drag everyone down towards zero. Right. I mean, it's also a, yeah. a really funny situation if you have Waste Knot and Words of Waste in play <laughs> at the same time. Yes. Um, for the circumstances where, you know, somebody discards a land giving you two black mana and then somebody discards anything that allows you to draw and then you just go again and people learn not to discard lands to Words of Waste if they can, but then, you know, as long as you're drawing cards, you can just kind of keep on making it happen and yeah. it's antics ensue holy cow i i'm just like looking at waste not right now and it's it's not the card interaction none of that stuff but it's a 16 dollar card holy cow when did that happen uh tiny bones yeah i suppose so yeah wow that's amazing um two printings right that's kind of surprising yeah admittedly one of them's commander but uh, i mean commander 16 but um you're also playing Mind Slash and Dance of the Dead. Uh, yeah, I mean, so there used to be more reanimation in the deck, and I just never really took Dance of the Dead out. Um, so that will, you know, probably would come out of the list pretty quickly. 
because I used to just have I I was on Villas and Razaketh for a bit. Then I tried like a Micaeus package, um, but uh, yeah, Mind Slash. The thought process there was that um, you know random discard is better than your opponent choosing the discard, but you choosing the discard is even better. Right, way better. Yeah, like if you if you can get an early Mind Slash, you can just snipe some absolutely insane things. Right, like. Oh, Jay, I'll just mind, sla- mind slash you. Oh, is that is that a Rhystic study you have? No, <laughs> oh, no. a, oh, look at that Notion Thief. Yeah, don't mind if I do. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, and, and it also, um, we are enabling it somewhat because we just have, um, like, the, the Burglar Rat and Elder Fang Disciple that we talked about in the creature section. Um, obviously, it's not like, we're still only on 12 creatures, um, and, you know, one of them's Razaketh, which you're probably not sacrificing (laughs) words of waste. Right. Um, But, you know, we are running a couple more creatures and those creatures tend to be uh, smaller and less impactful uh, than the, like, than the average um, if we compare to the creatures that we're all running. So it's enabled a little bit by that as well. And it also is enabled by, um, you can sort of, if you're against creature heavy decks, you can basically just chain, right? Um, right. Disc- right. You uh, you sacrifice a creature. You look at someone's hand. You make them discard a creature, which you then sacrifice, and you can just like go through. Um, you pull the thread, and their whole sweater comes off. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and and the, you know having, I mean, probably Dance of the Dead would come out anyways, but having. A bunch of like small reanimate things is also quite good for this because um, they can just you can just pull stuff out of the bin as as like fodder or you know I mean obviously reanimating people's dock sides and things like that is is insane or, or spell seeker or anything like that but uh, yeah you you have a few different ways of generating things to sacrifice to mind slash that aren't present in either of Cobbler Phoenix's list right. Um, looking at the mana bases here for a moment here as we kind of come to the end here, um, you know, everybody's running about 30 lands, about 32 when you count in, uh, the MDFCs. MDFC. Uh, so everybody's kind of in that same general, uh, you know, area cobble. You're playing cabal pit and inventors fair. Nobody else is playing that. What were your thoughts with those? Um, Cabal Pit is just another removal spell that's on a land that nobody can interact with. Um, It's really nice for just, you know, sniping somebody's dockside and taking it. And so it... You, you're, you're losing a land, but you're going way up on mana in that exchange. Right. Um, Also kills Notion Thief and, you know, all of the other thieves that you care about. Um, It's just... I... An extra axis of being able to interact with the table. So it's good. Um, Inventor's Fair... So I'm running a ton of artifacts, right. so it's going to be live and being able to, you know, just have, you know, the, the open menu to, to go through and find whatever artifact makes sense to either, you know, hose what's happening at the table, slow people down, accelerate or put your possessed portal, you know, on the battlefield. Having the flexibility there is, is, is really good. So right. it's a, you know, it's a tutor basically for the things that we care about. Right. And. Um, uh, it's it also land. gains you one life every turn. Hello, which is in, which is not inconsequential, <laughs> because when you're grinding, you got to keep your life total up. And that was that was actually the the original reason why I put 
um, Blood Chief Ascension in there was just kind of like for the grind value and then realizing, wait a minute, no, this just kills yeah, your opponent. It definitely kills people <laughs> real fast. Yeah, it really does. So, um, you know, Phoenix, you have the most differences of everybody. We talked about Tabernacle. We talked that you get to play fetch lands. Um, you're also playing Cabal Coffers. I think we talked about that. Um, Command Beacon, Castle, Lockthwain. Uh, what's the thought process there? I feel like I could probably figure it out, but just, you know, for the people at home. Yeah, so I, I am playing War Room as well. So War Room, Castle, Lockwain, Gyre Reach, Sanitarium. Yeah, I'm playing War Room. You're not special. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not. playing Deserted Temple to untap them and activate them again for obscene amounts of mana. Um, okay, maybe you are special. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say it was right, just special. Uh, That's right. And so it's just a incidental card draw. Uh, we're... My deck specifically is playing a whole pile of incidental card draw along with incidental discard. And so you'll power through, you'll churn through your deck pretty quickly, um, even in gold fishing with the way that it's set up. And then the command beacon is just an additional, we're in mono black and we don't need the difference between nine and 10 snow covered swamps isn't that big. And so it's a way around Draineth Magistrate. Right. That makes sense. Um, you know, it's it's worth talking about the fetch lands just a little bit, right? So, um, my my rationale for not choosing the fetch lands is that it makes it easier to play against the metagame, which is saturated with opposition agent. You know, depending on what your local meta is like. So, if you can opt out of playing fetch lands altogether and not lose anything in the transaction, um, it just makes it. You know, low. You know, lower, lower peril to be able to just move forward with your game plan and kind of not you know, break parity, kind of with what your opponents are are doing. Where if somebody has an early opposition agent and your opponents are kind of screwed because, well, great, now they've got fetch lands. Um, not having fetch lands be part of the the equation at all just kind of takes that off the table. I don't know what people's thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think I touched on that when I mentioned that I was playing Villas. Is the only reason that the fetch lands are even in mine is Villas. Okay. So when we look at Spleen faces here, as we're kind of getting to the end of it, um, Spleen, your most unique land that you're running is Volrath Stronghold. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's obviously... Um, it, it does tap for colorless, which is not... Uh, ideal, but I just found um, that it, you know, was potentially quite useful in I, I mean, getting back things like Opposition Agent um, it can do sort of a pseudo Words of Waste impression with things like Burglar Rat and Elder Fang Disciple um, you know, or or uh, I guess a Tabernacle impression with Plague Crafter, I don't know what you, it's not really Tabernacle, but you see what I'm like. Right. You can just play it every turn, um, and also um, just the, you know, it's one more way that you don't have to care too much about what you're discarding, um, because if you really want to get something that you wound up discarding back, uh, then you have or a stronghold to do it um, in a way that like is very difficult to interact with for your opponents. Right. Well, that makes sense. Um, 
man, these are such cool lists. Um, I really hope some you, at least one of you guys, uh, put it together in paper so we can actually see it in action. Because this is just a really cool list, and I am I really want to see these in action. Um, but you know, with that. Uh, that about wraps things up here for us today. Just a quick reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at Sculpty Boys, or you can find a direct link in our link tree below in the description. Um, also want to give a shout out to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on. Uh, if you too would like to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description. We are also now a TCG player affiliate. Uh, so if you want to help support the show, you can buy your cards with our affiliate link down in the description as well. And uh, that will go towards helping us out also. Um, so thank you guys for coming on and, uh, you know, sharing with us the, your uh, Turgrid builds. Um, everybody except uh, <laughs> Spleen kind of had really kind of punny names for your decks and uh okay, i i would say i tried but <laughs> i think you did a great job turgridlock i like it hey it was not a lot of effort was <laughs> i'll be straight with you i mean it's no pox machina but you know what are you gonna do i would have liked it more if it was like deus pox machina but right. you know I, you know, I, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to drive the car for you. Um, but Aren't you, though, <laughs> yeah, seems like, well, anyhow, anyhow, thank you all for, uh, you know, bringing your decks to the table and it's great seeing those and, uh, great getting this out into the community, uh, seeing different people get really excited. I, I know a lot of people are really excited about the Kodama, uh, file smasher stuff that you guys did so uh really appreciate it so uh thank you guys for coming on and thank you again for joining us and from all of us here at the mind sculptors i'm callahan we'll see you next time